Browns, Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store. Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By L.L. Bean, inspiring you to get outdoors. LLBean.com. By Celestron, offering binoculars and scopes for birders of all levels. Celestron.com. By Birds and Beans Shade-Grown Bird-Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com. And by Chimani. Visiting a national park? Let Chimani guide you. Chimani.com. Good morning, and welcome to our show, number 608. We'll start with some more proof that you can experience amazing bird sightings and interactions right in your own neighborhood, even in the middle of a big city. There I was, out on a morning walk in the beautiful Linear Park that divides the Back Bay from the South End in my great city of Boston. Just as I entered the walkway, out of the corner of my eye, I saw something flying by above me. Assuming it to be an American crow, I looked up to see an immature red-tailed hawk settling onto a branch not a dozen feet above my head. Just at that moment, a lady pushing a carriage in which a tiny baby nestled and accompanied by a little girl, maybe six or seven years old, stopped next to me and joined the observation. A second or two later, a male northern cardinal flew in and began hopping frantically from branch to branch in the tree where the red tail had landed. He was obviously not pleased by the presence of that large raptor in his neighborhood. As the cardinal continued making mock attacks on the hawk, the little girl pointed up and said, Mommy, that's a cardinal. I was pretty impressed, and I congratulated her on her accurate ID. The cardinal soon gave up its harassment efforts and flew away and out of sight. The mom, the girl, and I stood there for several more minutes, just watching that beautiful red tail, seemingly unruffled by the cardinal's attack and by our staring presence. And then we headed off in opposite directions along the path, basking in the afterglow of our urban avian encounter. But that's nothing. Just a few minutes ago, we had a wild turkey right outside of our studio window here. That in itself may be not that unusual, but what makes it unusual, we're on the second floor. He was making his way along the catwalk that leads to the tower, the broadcast tower behind our radio station here. We've taken a couple of iPhone photos of dubious quality. We'll put those maybe on our Facebook page if they are of sufficient quality to merit that. Uh, hey, speaking of photographs, you'll take some much better, I'm sure, than, than we have just done. It's time for the 2017 Talking Birds Photo Contest. In fact, it's almost the end of time. Uh, don't wait. The February 5th deadline, fast approaching. We have some pretty nifty prizes, including a Celestron Hummingbird ED Micro Spotting Scope as first prize. Pretty cool item with very impressive magnification range from 8 power to 22 power. First runner-up prize, a pair of Celestron waterproof binoculars, 8x32 trail seeker binoculars. Second runner-up prize, our Talking Birds Bird Book Sampler, 
which includes the Cornell Lab's magnificent large format photography book, The Living Bird, 100 Years of Listening to Nature. Plus, Cornell's activity journal and logbook for young birders and a signed copy of Mike O'Connor's amazing Why Do Bluebirds Hate Me? Pretty simple to enter. Just take a photo of a bird in the wild and email it to us at this address, ray at talkingbirds.com. Once again, a photo of a bird in the wild, email it to us. Photos will be judged on quality of composition, creativity, and originality. The address again, ray at talkingbirds.com. Happy snapping and good luck. We're immensely grateful to a wonderful group of folks who have become Talking Birds ambassadors, allowing us to send them some little two-by-three cards with info about our show to hand out to friends and relatives and neighbors and associates, helping to spread the good word about birds and the preservation of our precious planet. Thanks now to our three newest ambassadors, Heather in Mount Airy, Maryland, who, by the way, was our Mystery Bird Contest winner last week. Thanks to Vince in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, our first Canadian Talking Birds ambassador. And thanks to Cliff in Sacramento, California. Cliff is a guy who I know is a real steward for birds and our environment. Thank you so much, Heather and Vince and Cliff. And wherever you are, Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll give us a chance to thank you for becoming a Talking Birds ambassador. Sign up through our website at TalkingBirds.com. Just click on the Contact button, then choose the Become an Ambassador option. That's the Become an Ambassador option by the Contact button at TalkingBirds.com. Extra, extra, read all about it. Some of the stories and videos on our Facebook page this week. Why is this swan swimming in a bathtub? A seabird is threatened by rising sea levels. Folks in Florida are trying to help. And do you know your penguins? Check out our chart in celebration of Penguin Awareness Day. That occurred just a few days ago on January 20th. That's some of what we have for you on our Facebook page right now. You can also find those stories through an online search if you're not a Facebook follower. Here's a little preview of our mystery bird contest, so you'll be ready to call in when we do the contest in uh, just a little while. Here's the sound of our mystery bird for this morning. And here's one clue. Our mystery bird is a medium-sized brown-striped songbird with a pale eyebrow, a thin bill, and white outer feathers on its tail, which it constantly bobs up and down, that tail bobbing up and down. That's our mystery bird. We'll do our contest here in just a bit. Meanwhile, our Charlotte Wusselick has some good news for young birders in Virginia and for all birders in San Diego even as she gets her scope ready here in January for spring birding up in Alberta, Canada. It's this week's installment of Charlotte's Weblog, sponsored by L.L. Bean. Inspiring you to get outdoors, llbean.com. Alberta Bound, Alberta Bound, it's good to be Alberta Bound. Good morning, Charlotte. Good morning, Ray. The Blue Ridge Young Birders Club in Virginia has many field trips scheduled for this month and next, including visits to the Shenandoah Valley and Dutch Gap. If you know any young birders who live in Virginia, encourage them to join because it's a very active club. And you can find more information at their website, blueridgeyoungbirders.org. 
The San Diego Bird Festival is coming up at the end of February from the 23rd to the 26th at the Marina Village Conference Center in San Diego, California. The festival includes day activities for families, pelagic trips, field trips, a birding and optics expo, workshops, and a festival banquet. You might be lucky enough to see species like Lawrence's goldfinches, tricolored blackbirds, California thrashers, and Brant's cormorants during the festival. Birding has been very slow here on the prairies lately, but I've been able to find a few species including bohemian waxwings, white-winged crossbills, and common redpoles. I'm also sending my spotting scope off this week for repairs and cleaning so it will be ready for spring waterfowl migration. That's all for this week, Ray, and I'll talk to you next time. Thanks, Charlotte. Talking Birds listeners, be sure to check out Charlotte's blog. You'll like it at prairiebirder.com. That's prairiebirder.com. Still to come on our show today, we'll catch up with our man Mike O'Connor in our Let's Ask Mike segment down in the Sunshine State. Also this morning, we'll learn why those single-use plastic bags they give you down at the convenience store and supermarket are bad for birds and humans. And up next, a dark-eyed visitor from up north is today's featured feathered friend. Talking Birds is sponsored in part by Celestron, a leading optics company offering binoculars and spotting scopes for birders of all levels. Celestron is dedicated to education and bird conservation and proudly supports many nonprofit organizations that share the same commitment. Celestron says, we care about birds and nature in our backyard as well as yours. Enhance your view with Celestron. Visit Celestron.com and discover more. Whom nature's beast feels as they come And all I see are So all Bob Dylan sees are dark eyes. And when it comes to the bird we used to call the slate-colored junco, Dark eyes are all that the name-assigning American Ornithological Union now sees. The species we now know as the dark-eyed junco had been split into as many as seven different species before being lumped together under one name in the early 1980s. So now we have kind of a dizzying array of subspecies under the dark-eyed umbrella in various parts of North America, including the slate-colored junco and also including the Oregon, the white-winged, the pink-sided, the gray-headed, the red-backed, and the cassiar. There's also the yellow-eyed junco, but that's still considered to be a separate species. Here in midwinter, juncos are seen all over the U.S. except maybe South Florida, having come down to the lower 48 from their breeding grounds mostly across most of Canada and Alaska. There's also a year-round U.S. population in some places, like in the higher elevations of the Appalachian Mountains, where shorter-winged residents are joined by longer-winged cousins from up north in the wintertime. With all those subspecies exemptions, dark-eyed juncos are generally dark gray or brown with a whitish belly, white outer tail feathers that flash open periodically, especially in flight, and a pinkish bill. Dark-eyed juncos are mostly seed-eaters, and the Cornell Lab of Ornithology says that about three-quarters of their year-round diet consists of seeds of chickweed, buckwheat, lamb's quarters, and sorrel. And here's maybe a backyard bird feeding tip. Dark-eyed juncos seem to prefer millet over sunflower seeds. The Dark-Eyed Junco. Junco hyamalis. Today's Talking Birds featured feathered friend. 
Thanks again for being with us. Our show number 608. Hope you'll visit our website, TalkinBirds.com, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter at TalkinBirds. Well, our show celebrates birds and birding and the beauty of our natural world, but we also try to remain aware of the threats and dangers to birds and to our environment. For birds, threats and dangers like building and window crashes, free-roaming cats, climate change, pollution, and habitat destruction, for example, the list is long, and it also includes plastic bags. Part of a post from Encyclopedia Britannica's Advocacy for Animals platform describes these discouraging scenes. A flamingo strangles itself on a bag, unable to twist its way out of the entangling plastic. A platypus suffers deep cuts from a plastic bag entwined around its body, while a pelican dies after consuming plastic bags while diving for fish. Whale calves, turtles, dolphins, seals, the list of victims goes on. Scientists in England have recorded 170 species of land animals and birds injured by plastics washed up on beaches, joining myriad aquatic species who suffer the effects of discarded plastic bags in the environment. That's a little backdrop about one significant threat to our planet's inhabitants, and we're now pleased to welcome a lady who's been doing great work for the environment for a long time right here in our Talking Birds home state of Massachusetts. Janet Dominitz is executive director of MassPurg, the Massachusetts Public Interest Research Group, and she joins us now. Good morning, Janet. Good morning, Ray. So great to have you uh, with us, Janet. Give us a thumbnail sketch, if you would, of what uh, MassPurg does and how it extends to what you list as the three R's. Sure. Well, first of all, thanks so much for having me on this uh, lovely Sunday morning. It's a pleasure to be with you and your listeners. Um, as you said, MassPurg stands for the Massachusetts Public Interest Research Group, and we take those words public interest literally. So we do research, advocacy, organizing, and uh, lobbying to promote the public interest. So we look for issues where uh, there's a problem that cuts across all constituencies. There's a solution, and it's not happening or being put in place because of the effect that big, powerful special interests have on our democracy. And so where the three R's fit into that, reduce, reuse, recycle, there are so many practical, at-our-fingertips ways that we could be uh, reducing, reusing, recycling, getting to zero waste, and in because of the influence of the garbage and waste industry, we just keep throwing away. But there is no away. And so we're suffering the pollution and public health impacts of that. And so MassPerg uh, advocates for a number of different ways that I said are common sense, practical, um, that we can all enact pretty quickly to reduce waste in Massachusetts and around the country. You recently gave some testimony at a Boston City Council hearing about a proposed ban on single-use plastic bags. I was in the audience there and heard you list 10 reasons to support uh, such a ban. Where Our time is so short, Janet, but I wonder if you could give us a maybe a really quick synopsis. Uh, I apologize for making it uh, shortened like this, but can you give us a quick overview of, of your 10 arguments? Yeah, I'll do them really quickly. I just want to give, you know, 20 seconds to the context of the Boston City Council hearing. Mm -hmm. There has been a bill pending in the legislature for years to, uh, to curb the use of or ban um, single-use plastic bags. And it's taking so long because of the influence of the 
um, the grocery stores, the plastic manufacturers, that citizens have taken upon themselves to promote uh, municipal bans. And there's already 40 cities and towns in Massachusetts that have taken action like this because of grassroots um, pressure, and Boston is, is the next biggie. So that's why I was there, and it's you know a result of citizen action, which is great. So very quickly, the 10 reasons that I listed off at the hearing were sort of in categories. The first one was reducing waste. So I had three there. Um, we're using 100 billion single-use plastic bags in the United States each year. Wow. And they, they don't disappear. There is no way in throwing them away. They cause tremendous problems, the ones that you were listing off at the beginning of the show, um, just to name a few. Um, we are using an item that is, is uh, disposed of after an average of 12 minutes of use. Mm. So, you know, it's, it's insanely wasteful. Um, number three, we don't need single-use plastic bags. They were only introduced uh, in the country in the 1970s. So we can go back to a very sensible way that we operated for decades, not having single-use plastic bags. Plastic bags cause pollution. You know, they, break, they don't break down. As you talked about, they, get, uh, they harm our environment, our wildlife. They are now found, I never heard of this word until the context of plastic bags, there are now gyres in our oceans mm-hmm. made up of plastic bags that are, um, you know, swirling around in our, you know, beautiful ocean surfaces. They're really literally shocking. made up of yep. plastic waste. Yep. They're made of fossil fuels. Um, they are uh, in every... You have to look at what's stopping the effort to ban plastic bags, which is mostly these huge industries. Many other cities and towns, big ones around the country, have already done this. Chicago, D.C., L.A., San Francisco. Um, we save money on, in our cities and towns. We, we spend money cleaning up bag waste out of storm drains, and that costs us money as taxpayers. Uh, so, you know, I think the tenth reason was simply we're going to save the planet, we're going to save our creatures, we're going to save the environment, and thrifty New Englanders know easily how to find themselves a reusable mm-hmm. bag. How do people find out more about the issue, Janet, if they want to do something, help do something about it? Uh, they can go to our website, massperg.org. Um, there are other organizations that are doing great work on this. Sierra Club is um, a great advocate for plastic bags, um, for banning plastic bags. Um, the... Some of the um, Mass Green Network is a a group of citizens that have gotten together to uh, get city and towns to take action on this. Um, There's plenty of resources on the web. And, you know, don't spend too long there because you'll get depressed by how much, you know, pollution and problems this is causing. We just need to take action. Janet Dominitz is executive director of Mass Perg, the Massachusetts Public Interest Research Group. Janet, thank you so much for being with us and for all the great work you do. Ray, thank you so much for the time. Coming up next, our mystery bird contest in just one minute. More than 100 million wild animals are killed each year, illegally. Poaching is just one of the risks animals face at our hands. I'm Tom Barry. I'm an actor. I grew up in the beautiful rural countryside of Ohio, where animals roamed freely in the open forests. I have a deep concern to help preserve those open spaces for our wildlife friends, so they can live and thrive like they used to. Destruction of their habitats threaten their very existence. The best way to protect wildlife is to protect the land where they live. 
The Humane Society Wildlife Land Trust works with private landowners to protect wildlife, to preserve natural habitats, and establish permanent sanctuaries. To learn more or to work with the Humane Society Wildlife Land Trust, call 800-729-SAVE. That's 800-729-SAVE. Or visit wildlifelandtrust.org. Thank you. We're pretty bad clock managers around here. We're going to zip into our mystery bird contest here and invite you to call in to try to identify this mystery bird. We have a beautiful prize, as always. This time, a Droll Yankees original, iconic A6F classic bird feeder. The one that has been copied all over the world, but as they say, never successfully replicated. Uh, anyway, that's the sound of our mystery bird, even though I'm sorry we're kind of talking over it here. Let's give it another quick shot. It's a medium-sized brown-striped songbird with a pale eyebrow, a thin bill, and white outer feathers on its tail. It constantly bobs that tail up and down. Our bird breeds in northern Canada, in Alaska, and in the mountains of California, New Mexico, and northern New England, and winters mostly in the southern half of the U.S. and Mexico. Tell us what it is or take your guess. No correct answer means a drawing will determine our winner. So take a guess, even if you're not certain what it is. 781-837-4900. Please call as soon as possible. 781-837-4900. Meanwhile, we're going to head down to Florida, catch up with our man Mike O'Connor. Let's ask Mike live in just one minute. Here's an idea for the next time you're shopping for wild bird food. Look for the Audubon Park brand, a top choice among bird lovers for more than 40 years. All of Audubon Park's products meet the highest quality standards in the industry and have earned early compliance with the FDA's Food Safety Modernization Act. And Audubon Park products are easy to find at your supermarket, lawn and garden store, farm and feed market, and online retailers. For more information, visit AudubonPark.com. Hi, it's Ray with your invitation to join us in the Galapagos Islands with Sunrise Birding. I'll be your host, joined by expert local guides who'll show us giant Galapagos tortoises and marine iguanas and incredible birds, including Darwin's famous finches. We'll even snorkel with Galapagos penguins. And there are now just two cabins still available. Get all the details right now at sunrisebirding.com. That's sunrisebirding.com. That is the official exclusive music for Mike O'Connor. Even when he's not at the Birdwatchers General Store, he's down there in, um, I believe it's Naples. Yeah, Naples, Florida. Good morning, Mike. Naples. These are my kind of people, Ray. What, are, what kind are they? Maseratis, Ferraris. <laughs> <laughs> it's like perfect. Yeah, I've cruised through downtown Naples myself. That's an apt description, and you haven't even seen the mansions yet. No, they, they only <laughs> let me in certain parts of town. But you have seen the thing that you were really looking for. I guess that was while you were on the East Coast, though. Yeah, when I talked to you last, I was actually on the side of the highway heading towards the Vieira Wetlands. And people should write this place down. It's called the Vieira Wetlands. It's outside of the town of Melbourne of Australia on the East Coast. Kind Australia? Of I'll tell you, I still <laughs> <laughs> Did I say that? I think so. <laughs> I, don't know. I know what you meant, though. <laughs> Good day, Mike. <laughs> We've got it on tape, so... <laughs> right. We'll edit this up. This is just a rehearsal, right? Okay, yeah. So so then we... Um, and it's it's a really cool wetlands. It's small. It's easy to get around. It's a little driving loop around several ponds, and it was, it was crested caracaras and reddish mm. egrets and all kinds of Florida and hinga birds, even American bitterns. Mm-hmm. It's a really cool place for anybody birding in that area. It's just south of Merritt Island. But the 
the bird I, I, I went to see, and I've come to Florida several times to see it, is a Florida scrub jay heading towards its way of being endangered because a lot of the habitat is destroyed, and it's different than the western scrub jay. I could hear and it now. And we had gone um, a couple of times to see it, and I had heard about this little preserve called the uh, Helen and Allen Creek Bank Preserve, which is named after those birders. And uh, I got there, and it's really a kind of a nothing place. Again, it's just, it's just near Merritt Island, and it's a short little trail, and nothing was going on. And then I saw a scrub jay fly by, and I go, there it is, all, all excited. And then one, two, four, seven of them came by, and they all started bathing in this little stream. And they're unbelievably tame birds. Yeah. They would come up, they would land on the branch right in front of you. Like if you're a photographer, you, can, you have to back up this so close. And then they would land on your head. They would... If you look online, Florida Scrub Day, they're always on somebody's head. And, and one landed right on, one landed on your head? Right on my head. Oh, my like, gosh. Just like in the movies. Wow. But so you're I'll okay. I'll send you the picture. I'll send you the picture. Oh. You can put it on your Facebook page. Oh, we will. Yeah. I hope you... Were you wearing your uh, Birdwatcher's General Store no, like cap? No, idiot. I was. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was wearing one of those big sun hats that the you know, dermatologists told me to wear. Okay. <laughs> well, well, congratulations on finding that uh, Florida Scrub Jay. Oh, yeah. You Everybody should check it out when it comes forward, and I'll send you that picture. Okay, we'll uh, we'll look for it and give some more info about uh, you know where you've uh, where you've gone down there, where you found the bird, okay. and all that. And we'll talk about uh, bird baths uh, next week. Back to normal and next week. Freezing Wait, thanks bird bath. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. We're Where's back Australia? here. Australia. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if we continue to consume our natural resources at the rate we do now, by 2050, it could take three Earths to meet our needs. The Earth can't speak up when it needs help, but we can. Be the voice for those who have no voice. Visit worldwildlife.org. The Amazon's rainforest is being cut down so fast that by 2030, 55% of it could be completely wiped out. The Earth's forests can't speak up when they need help, but we can. Be the voice for those who have no voice. Visit worldwildlife.org. We're back here at the Mystery Bird Contest trying to identify this mystery bird here. Medium-sized brown-striped songbird with a pale eyebrow, a thin bill and white outer feathers on its tail. It constantly bobs that tail up and down. It breeds in northern Canada and Alaska, mountains of California, New Mexico, and parts of northern New England, and winters mostly in the southern half of the U.S. and Mexico. What is it? Brian is in Peabody, Massachusetts, up there on the North Shore. Good morning, Brian. Hello, Brian. Brian uh, is in Peabody. Oh, maybe he's there. Are you there, Brian? Hi, Ray. Good morning. Good, Good morning, morning, Brian. How you doing? Uh, we're doing well. How how about you? How are things up there in Peabody? Beautiful morning here. Or Peabody, if you're not from Massachusetts. <laughs> <laughs> what do you say, uh, Brian, on our mystery I, bird? I'm going to take a guess mm -hmm. that it's a northern bobwhite. Northern bobwhite. No, it isn't. No, it's okay. not a not a northern anything. As a matter of fact. All right. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Brian. All right. 781-837-4900 is the number. Peter is in Plymouth, Massachusetts, America's hometown. Good morning, Peter. Hello there. How are you doing, Peter? Great show, Ray. Every week it's a great show. Oh, you're very kind. Thank you. What do you think on the mystery bird? Well, I had the same guess as the guy before. I said it was a bobwhite quail. Oh, Really? Now, now, why we're both guessing that? Is it has to do with the pale eyebrow or something? Well, I thought you were giving a clue when you said bobbing up and down. Oh, I see. Oh, you thought we were... We're, we're not that clever. Well, I, well no. what can I say? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Peter. All right. All right, 781-837-4900. I might mention, uh, this is just kind of an interesting uh, tidbit about this bird 
be careful not to mention its name, that up and down bobbing of the tail really is believed to serve a function, which is to stir up hidden prey, kind of like what some shorebirds do by stamping their feet and making prey uh, come to the surface. But that's our mystery bird. We'll try to get to another call or two. 781-837-4900 is the number. Our Droll Yankees original iconic A6 classic bird feeder invented by Droll Yankees founder Peter Killam in 1969 is our prize this morning. 781-837-4900. We're just trying to clear our calls and see who's what and who's where. And uh, it's Jeff in Alston, Massachusetts, a suburb, not a suburb, but a neighborhood of the city of Boston. Good morning, Jeff. Hey, good morning. What do you say, Jeff? You've heard a couple of uh, guesses, uh, but uh, not quite there. What do you is say? Is it a pippet? A pippet? You mean an American pippet? Yes, the American pippet. The American pippet. Oh, my God. They finally got one. <laughs> <laughs> nice job. Yes, the American pippet. Often seen uh, hanging around with horned larks and snow buntings along the coast, sometimes with shorebirds that we mentioned on mud flats and salt marshes. But uh, nice job, Jeff. American pippet. And if you'll stand the line, we'll get your address and send you that droll Yankees feeder. Thank you. All right. Guess what? We are out of time for our show today. Thank you so much for being with us. Please visit our website, TalkingBirds.com, Facebook and Twitter. Uh, Executive producer, Mark Duffield. Associate producer, Debbie Bleacher. Engineer, Tim McKenney. I'm Ray Brown. See you next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store. For Lean's Cape Cod, birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By L.L. Bean, inspiring you to get outdoors. LLbean.com. By Celestron, offering binoculars and scopes for birders of all levels. Celestron.com. And by Chimani, visiting a national park, let Chimani guide you. Chimani.com. 